The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Before we give our attention to the word, I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the mothers who are present here. I noticed a lot of family members who have joined together, either come to visit your mom or your mother is here visiting with you. We welcome each of you and glad that you are here today. And if you have not yet spoken to your mom, you better get on that when the service is over. She'd like to hear from you very soon. And I hope you'll get to see her. I get to go see my mother this afternoon and looking forward to spending some time uh, with her today. As we think about Mother's Day, I also want to encourage you in this. Uh, in the church, God gives spiritual mothers. He gives faithful women who, who care for us and pray for us and take care of his church. So let us be grateful today as the family of God for the women that he has put together in the life of this church and women who have affected your life pray you will express your gratitude to them on Mother's Day. Most every year, uh, I get an email after that goes something like this. Uh, I can't believe I came to church and you didn't preach a Mother's Day sermon. Uh, <clears throat> I preach expositionally through a book of the Bible and I divert on Christmas and Easter. Um, but women, will you hear me today? God's church Families desperately need women who will give themselves to the kind of prayer that is in Psalm 5. I would submit to you that God has held his church together because of faithful women who have prayed the fifth Psalm. We need you. Your family needs you. So though this is not singled out as Mother's Day, this is a Mother's Day sermon and I appeal to you with it. So the fifth Psalm, I invite you to stand. To the choir master for the flutes, a Psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my God, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of the Lord. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their own guilt, O God. Let them fall on their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. For they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. 
Let them sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord, and cover him with favor as with a shield. Let's pray. Lord, it is only by your abundant grace and steadfast love that we now come before you. So we seek you as our refuge. Lord, teach us to pray today. Teach us to run to you. Teach us to walk in you. And may we respond accordingly with joy. May we rejoice as the people of God. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. The main idea of this text is that those who take refuge in the Lord cry to him for protection from the wicked and from their own wickedness. A refuge is something that provides a safe location, a shelter, place. Or the dictionary says the condition of being safe. It's both a place and the condition of the heart. The prayer of Psalm 5 is not only a prayer of protection from wicked persons, it is a prayer for protection from becoming like them. The reality of this world that we live in frustrates the joy of God's people. Fear swells up in our hearts as we think about the harshness of life and what's going on around us and what's happening in the lives of those we love. So it is my prayer that we will be like the disciples who came to Jesus and this morning that we will come together and we will say, Lord, teach us to pray. To the choir master for the flutes of Psalm of David. So this is, again... Last week I said this. This is, was intended to be sung. This is a song to be sung amongst God's people to remind us what we do in desperate hours and how we come to the Lord in prayer. If you're looking at it on the page, like a song, there are five stanzas. The first, third, and fifth are with eyes cast toward the Lord. The second and fourth is a glance sideways, still keeping your eyes on the Lord, but a glance sideways as to what's happening. It begins toward the Lord with a cry for refuge. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning, give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. It's a morning prayer. It's repeated twice. It's the beginning of a difficult day. Words give way to groaning. What is that? What is it when we come groaning before the Lord? It's when our hearts and our minds are so overwhelmed that we can't form words. The New Testament picks this up in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us for, with groanings too deep for words. Appropriately, 
the whimper of a child. Every mother in this room has had to learn the difference between what you just heard and a real cry. You know what I'm talking about? Your children can use a cry for their own advantage. Ever noticed? All the mamas in here smiling. But mama, you know, you know when the real cry comes. And you better flat get out of mama's way when it comes. Because she take you out in the process. God knows when we cry. And hear me, God will never be manipulated. Ever. He knows the cry of his children. Now notice how David here, remember he's the king. Listen to what he says. My king and my God. He's saying, I am your subject. And I must come to you, my king. And he's saying, I am a sinner and I must come to you who is God. So we must bring our strong cries to him. The one who suffered for the sins of the world. The one who gave himself for us. In the morning, First thoughts of our day ought to be given to the Lord. We, we ought to find that influence at the beginning of our day, influencing the rest of the day. He says, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. He's looking forward into the day. What does it mean, prepare a sacrifice? New American Standard translates this, I order my prayer. It's, it's how the priest would line up the, sac, the sacrifice that they were to make in the temple. It's the same language. So it's saying, we don't just come to God with, random phrases and trite sayings. It's not that we're trying to find eloquence in our prayer, but we don't come faultlessly. We come in an ordered way. I found in my life, it is best for me to write as I'm praying, to order my prayer. Why? Why are we crying for refuge? What's the reason? What's the necessity of refuge? The necessity of refuge is born out of a deep sense and understanding of the sinfulness of sin. And that the only one who can stem the tide of sin is Almighty God. Now here in verse four is where David casts his eyes to the side, but don't miss this. Even though sinners are in view, God is the basis of his prayer, the character of God. For you are not a God. That needs to get your attention in verse four. You are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Now this is emphatic. The psalmist shows a clear conviction that God hates in the most radical way any form of evil. He denies that any lawless person, either present or future, has any right to his presence. You are not a God who takes delight. You hate the Lord abhors. Three times here, the emphasis is on God's absolute hatred of evil. And then at the end of verse five is this disturbing phrase. You hate 
all evildoers. Wait, wait a minute. God hates the sin, not the sinner, right? You hate all evildoers. What are you going to do with that? Here's what you do with that. You go to the cross. And you better get the cross straight as to what happened at the cross. At the cross, Jesus Christ took your place. He didn't just die for sin. He died for sinners. He bore on our behalf the wrath of God. God took what we deserved. Now, when I read verses four through six, at first glance, it appears David's talking about the people who are pursuing him, and he is. But as I meditated and thought about it, I thought, there's a level here where David's describing himself. If you're not familiar with the Bible, King David, while all of his men were out at war, was standing on a rooftop and saw a woman taking a bath, had her brought to him, committed adultery with her, she conceived the child to cover it up. He had her husband sent to the front lines and murdered. Sometime later, the prophet Nathan came to David and told him a story about a man and a sheep and another man taking the man's sheep. And it infuriated David and says, I want to know, basically, I want to know who that is. He's going to pay for it. And the prophet Nathan pointed his finger and said, you are the man. So when I read verse six, you destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. That was David. He was a bloodthirsty murderer and he was a man who lived in deceit until the prophet Nathan came to him. Now I want you to turn a few pages over to the 51st Psalm. And what is recorded there is what David prayed after the confrontation with Nathan. Let me just help some of you who are new to the Psalms. The Psalms are not written in chronological order. So things can be recorded before and after events. So this happened before the fifth Psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So I just have a question here. Was David saying, oh God, I'm a pretty good person? Uh, no. For I know my transgressions and my sins ever before me. Hey, there's a lot of people in this room right now that nobody else knows what you're doing, but you cannot get your mind off it right now while I'm preaching. It's right here. Right in front of your mind. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may justify it in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. David here confesses that he is like the ones found in verses four through six. Now, hold your place there. I'm gonna come back to Psalm 52 in just a second. 
Go back and look with me in verse nine again. This is the second sideways glance, looking still at the necessity of refuge. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. You ever watch the show Survivor? Why would anybody believe anybody on that show? I mean, it's just, trust me. It is a picture of the world you live in. People trying to survive in their own sin saying, trust me, trust me. The scripture here says their throat is an open grave. That means there's decomposing body down in there. And what's coming emitting out of the mouth is evidence of what's in the heart, death. And when something sounds good coming out of this mouth, it's flattery. In other words, it's deceptive. It's an attempt to get us to come along with them. Now, back to Psalm 52. Listen to what God says. Why do you boast of evil, almighty man? Are you noticing just how bold people are getting in our culture? Why do you boast of evil, almighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction. Like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, oh, deceitful tongue. But God will break you down forever. And what that means is, look up here. God's gonna get the last word. God is. God will break you down forever. He will snatch you and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous shall see and fear and they shall laugh at him saying, verse seven, see the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. You see, here's the core issue, friends. This is what's going on around you and in many of you in this room right now is you're trusting in yourself. And as long as you continue to trust in yourself, you are headed toward destruction. You may end up the most successful person in this world in terms of how the world defines it, but there's more than this world. There is a God whom you will face what do you do? Well, here's the basis of refuge. Verse seven. <laughs> but I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Now, this is the opposite of the person in verse five. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. But David says, I will enter your house. Now, why? Why? If I had David right here in my interview and I'm going to say, David, could you, could you explain to us why you're going to enter the house of God? He's not going to say what a good Southerner from Gastonia. Well, you know what? I'm a pretty good person. I, don't, I never killed anybody. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yep, yep, I did. Why could this man come in? Oh, oh, oh I know what it is. I'm the king. No, 
That's not it. Why? Because of your steadfast love. The word in Hebrew is mercy. Mercy. You see, grace is given to a person who does not deserve it. Mercy is pressing even deeper. It's not only a person who doesn't deserve it, it's a person who is in a desperate situation. And that's true of all of us in our sin. We don't just need what we don't deserve. We need to understand we're in a desperate place. And the only way that we come to to grasp this steadfast love is in fear of God. Now, what does that mean? Fear of his punishment? No, it means that we come in reverence and humility and understanding this is God. Ephesians chapter two. You were dead in your trespasses and sins and whence you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, for those of you that were struggling with that explanation of God's hatred of sin, it's right here in Ephesians chapter two as well. Apart from Christ, we are all by nature children of wrath. Verse four. But God being rich in, you remember the next word? You may remember? Mercy. But God being rich in mercy, David said, the abundance of mercy. God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us live together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. So here's why we come and pray and seek him as our refuge, because we have confidence, Hebrews 10, 19, to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Not anything about ourselves. Now, next thing I want you to see is the nature of refuge. Verse eight, he says, lead me, lead me. Keep that in your mind, lead me. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Now, when a storm comes to your life, you are aware immediately of the need of refuge. When I was a teenager, we went canoeing down the New River. I went with some, a friend's family. Which, by the way, if you're going to take a group of teenage boys, 13 to 14, don't take them on an all-day canoe trip. All right? Three-hour deal will work. We get about halfway through this thing. We're all miserable. The river's barely moving. We're dragging and a good old for real Southern mountains thunderstorm came. I mean, lightning was hitting all around us. I've never been so scared in my life. And I remember after we put, turned the canoe upside down and got underneath it, I remember thinking this thing's metal. <laughs> all we knew is we needed a refuge. Now, I think a lot of you think that God is some stationary place that when bad comes, you run to him. That's not the kind of refuge God's pointing to here. Here's what God is saying. I lead my people. My people are on the move. The last thing Jesus said was go, go. And he ended it with a promise. When he told us to go, move, go, he said, I am with you what? Always. He has told us to go and he's promised that he will be with us. Let's let's go back to the the story of, of God releasing his children from Egypt. How does he lead them? He's a 
pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He never leaves them. Now, look back at verse eight. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Make your way straight before me. So the pathway we take is the righteousness of God that he lays out before us. 23rd Psalm. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Why? Why? For his name's sake. For his name's sake. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, do you get this? You see what the psalmist is saying? We're moving here. The valley of the shadow of death is all around me. Death and destruction and sin is all around me. I walk, I fear no evil. Why? Why am I not afraid? You are with me. Don't miss this next part. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So here's what, here's what this psalm is saying. Even though I'm surrounded by enemies, sometimes I'm my own enemy. And thanks be unto God, he pulls out the rod and gives me a little tap on the head. Praise God. We should be grateful to God that he does not leave us to ourselves. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path what? Straight. Proverbs 3 is arguing the same thing. If God is your refuge, your path is straight. So I'm studying, I'm working on the sermon this week. I'm working on this part of the text and I, I read widely and I was reading in a, in a commentary about it and I came to this paragraph. About two hours before we had received the message that Nikki Bailey a young mother in our church had been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, I typed this out and sent, sent it to them. Her and her husband, Eddie. Quote, here's a lovely young wife, a servant of Jesus, cancer. One day at the surgery ward and all of life has tumbled in on this young couple in the sadness and tears and what must we do now? How can we pray for them? How can they pray for themselves? What prayer makes more sense in such anguish than, Lord, lead them in your righteousness. Make your way straight before them. And what a sweet thing it was to watch in the last service as dozens of brothers and sisters gathered around this couple to pray. I talked with Nikki before the service and what I saw in her is the fifth point of this message, the joy of refuge. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice, let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you for you bless the righteous, O Lord, and you cover him with favor as with a shield. Psalm 125.2 says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. This is the truth. 
This is God's word. God's truth will not fail. He has declared it and it is so. Every good thing the righteous receive is all of God's grace. It is of favor. It is not of debt. God is not indebted to us. The righteous deserve no good thing. God gives grace. He gives refuge. God gives us himself and he blesses those who are in Christ. In Christ, we are secure. And in that secure place, we rejoice. We sing for joy. So I ask this question to you. Is it evident that I'm taking refuge in the Lord? Psalm 6410, let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright exult. So rejoicing and refuge are clearly tied together. That in the face of wickedness, even our own wickedness, we seek our refuge in God. And when we do, blessings come and we rejoice. This stayed on my mind all week. My, my grandfather was a, a World War II veteran. Uh, he was in the 79th Infantry Division under Patton. And he was at the spear, the head of the spear, as the Allied forces made their way across France. And he was one of the first soldiers into Paris at the liberation of Paris. He hardly talked about the war, but I distinctly remember the stories he would tell about the joy of the French people in Paris as they marched in. His face would light up. It was, it was a bright moment for a horrible thing that man witnessed and saw. And he, he would tears in his eyes would, would talk about how overcome they were and overwhelmed they were and how they sang and screamed and with joy. And I thought about us. As Christians living in this world, friends, we've been set free from something greater than Nazi Germany. We've been set free from sin. And even though we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to be afraid of what's going on in the world. We don't have to be afraid of what is around us. God is our refuge and our strength. He is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. So we sing, we exult, we rejoice. In a few minutes, I'll make better sense of this. This has been a difficult week. God has blessed me with studying the fifth song. Yesterday morning, I woke up and I heard my wife singing. For all practical purposes, we had no reason to sing yesterday. And I laid there on the bed and I thought of the sweet sound emanating from the bathroom as I heard my wife sing to the Lord. The evidence of refuge is rejoicing. It's a joy that this world 
cannot take from you. He is our shield. He surrounds us, his people. So some of you have disconnected from this truth as followers of Christ. And I say to you today, flee to the Lord as your refuge and pour out your heart, your cry, your groaning. You probably can't form the words, but God hears your groaning. Cry out to him. Seek your refuge in him. And for those of you who have never turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, will you not to this day walk in your boasting? But may you hear the truth of the gospel that Christ died in your place, you a sinner, to set you free, that God might be your refuge now and forevermore. Let's pray. Oh God, You are a refuge and strength. You're our ever-present help in time of trouble. And Lord, it would overwhelm me to know of all the trouble in this room right now. I could not take it. Thanks be unto God that you are a God who is greater. You are a God who can bear all things. And you are a God who hears all of our groanings and you run to us and you refuge over us. So God, I pray that you give boldness to your people through Jesus Christ to come and to make their prayer known. I pray that you would speak into the heart and life of those in this room who have yet to turn to Christ. Spirit of God, open their eyes to the gospel and I pray for repentance and they're turning to Jesus this day. I dare say there's a mama in this room praying for a child. Would you grant repentance today? Do your work, the work that only you can do. We plead it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.